Good morning, everyone. My name is Lisa Igram, and it is a pleasure to be here with all of us gathered virtually together in this very strange season but to share from God's word this morning. As we begin, would you pray with me? Lord, as we together meditate on our gospel reading this morning on John 15, and as we consider Jesus' longing invitation for us to abide in him, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing to you, our creator and our redeemer. Amen. Well, our passage for this morning is very rich and full, so I'm just going to dive right in. As we've worked our way through the Gospel of John these last weeks, Jordan has reminded us of the ways that John's writings resonate with the imagery of Genesis. And this is well worth having in our minds as we consider today's reading. In Genesis 1-1, we read, In the beginning, God. In John 1-1, we read, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In Genesis 1, we read about Adam and Eve in the garden, and in that garden, Adam and Eve walked in the presence of God. Adam and Eve were ultimately banished from that garden for their disobedience. They couldn't be in God's presence because their disobedience, their sin, inhibited the fullness of their relationship. We can read all of scripture as the Lord God orchestrating events in history towards this goal of uninhibited presence with his people. So we see in the Old Testament that God's presence with his people on Mount Sinai was mediated. Um, it, it was on Mount Sinai mediated by Moses in the law. And we see God's presence in a movable tabernacle or tent that the Lord God designed to sit right in the middle of Israel's encampment during the wilderness wandering. And then in a stone temple at Jerusalem as the center of Israel in the promised land. Throughout the Old Testament, our human longing to be with God in his presence is described as a longing to be in the tabernacle or dwelling in the presence of God, like the priests and the Levites who served in the temple. In the law and the prophets, we read over and again God's promise that he would dwell with his people forever and they with him. As we enter into the story of Jesus, now going into the New Testament, we read in John 1.14 that God's presence becomes closer and more profound than Sinai, the tabernacle, or the temple, where his presence was even still kind of distant and mediated by Moses or the priests or sacrifices. We read in John 1.14 that the word of God became flesh and made his dwelling, literally pitched his tent as a human person among us. Jesus, God with us. So throughout his gospel, John describes Jesus through a series of I am statements, which we've heard throughout this season at Holy Trinity. So Jesus is the bread of life, the light of the world, the door, the good shepherd, the resurrection and the life, the way, the truth and the life. And here in John 15, we get to the seventh I am statement. And surrounding this seventh statement, John in his gospel introduces us to a new garden in the form of a vineyard. And in this new garden, God is the vine dresser. And Jesus says, I am the true vine and you are the branches. In Genesis 1, we read about the uninhibited presence of God with Adam and Eve as Adam and Eve walked with God in the Garden of Eden. And here John says, Jesus redeems our presence so that we can be present with God again through Jesus, the true vine. 
the Lord God created us for presence with him. When God saw that Adam was alone at creation, he said, it's not good for him to be alone. And he created Eve. The Lord God created us for presence with him, with God, and for presence with each other. Researchers in psychology and neuroscience and human development have rediscovered this truth of how God created us. Our emotional, mental, and physical selves are created to find flourishing in the physical presence of others. During these almost 60 days now of Safer at Home Orders, I've been thinking a lot about the gift of physical presence with community, whether this be family or extended family, colleagues at work or good friends. I live alone in a little second floor condo and actually really like living alone. My work and my life and my community are full and active and very extroverted, and I'm a solid introvert. So outside of COVID, starting and ending my days in the quiet of this space are really life-giving, and I'm so grateful for it. And yet, I remember so clearly during that week in early March where decisions were rapidly being made at the LA County and at the state level and at my work at a local university, decisions about remote learning, decisions to reduce the number of people gathered in a single space, decisions about social distancing policies, and ultimately my university's closure. And the day we announced remote work, I remember going to a colleague's office for a video conference meeting because the meeting would have been too large to gather in a single room. And I remember saying, can we just meet together for this? I don't want to sit alone in my office on a video conference. I knew um, that I would need to process what was coming and I knew that I needed to process what was happening. And looking back, I realized so profoundly the value of physical presence with another person in the same space with me in the midst of crisis and uncertainty. These provided almost like an emotional regulation and a stability that I needed. So the announcement of my university's closure came out that afternoon and I sat in the late afternoon of another colleague's office and I said, can I sit here and help you with this project you're racing to get done before tonight? Because I'm not really ready to go home and be alone yet. In a crisis, it is our very human response to long to be with others, especially others we care about and love. Community is stabilizing and even more so physical presence with our community. Physical presence provides something normative for us. It fosters solidarity. We know we're not alone in what we're facing. It brings comfort. And so it is very ironic that in this current crisis, we've been asked to resist that very human, God-created impulse to be physically present with each other. The Lord God created us for presence. He created us for presence with him and with each other. And in this present moment, we've experienced a longing for physical presence with each other here at Holy Trinity in worship as we receive the word and one day again approach the table and we've experienced a longing for presence with others in our community, with our people. John 15 expresses Jesus's deep longing for presence with us, expressed through this metaphor of a vineyard that really carries with it a rich background of God's longing for presence with us throughout the entirety of scripture. In the first three verses, Jesus sets up the metaphor that carries this longing for presence. I am the vine, Jesus says. My father is the vine dresser. And those branches that bear fruit are bearing the fruit 
of having been present. And from this metaphor flows the longing invitation of Jesus, abide in me, abide in me. Now that word abide or remain is repeated pretty pretty frequently in John and also um, in these last words from Jesus to his disciples in the upper room where we find our passage today. And in our passage today, just these 11 verses, that word abide appears 10 times, 10 times. The root of this word, abide or remain, in, in the Greek is home. And in this word, Jesus expresses his longing for abiding presence with us, as home with us, through this word, this invitation repeated over and over again. Abide in me, Jesus says over and over again, starting in verse 4. Abide in my love, starting in verse 9, over and again. Jesus' longing here to be at home with us is palpable. Now, in context, Jesus is speaking to his disciples, probably there in the upper room, after having just washed his disciples' feet in full knowledge of what was to come in the next 24 hours. They had lived together for three years. Jesus had been living together with them and they with him. And the disciples were about to face the most horrific moment of their lives as this man that was their teacher and their friend would be taken and crucified. Now, as John writes this gospel, Christian communities who would have read his words, his contemporaries, would likely have been in the midst of significant persecution for their faith. And so for both Jesus' disciples and for John's readers, these words, abide in me, abide in my love, would have come just before or in the midst of a whole lot of confusion and uncertainty, where the solidity and stability of things they thought they could count on were no longer present. And there is before them a great unknown of what's next, of what life would be like. And now we're certainly not in the extremes of persecution of John's audience or about to lose this man they dedicated their lives to as Jesus' disciples, but we can certainly identify with the unknown, the instability, and the uncertainty of this present moment. Over the past several days um, and in the midst of this crisis, it's been helpful for me to be reminded of what this passage says about the quality of God's presence as vine dresser and the quality of Jesus's presence as the true vine, and really the simplicity of our response through this extended metaphor as Jesus expresses his longing for us to abide in him and for him to be at home with us. So in this metaphor of the vineyard, God's presence is a gentle, attentive vine dresser. Now, in the ancient world, the state of a tree's fruit was said to attest to how well its farmer cared for it. So if there was good fruit, this was a good and skilled and attentive farmer. The pruning that is described in verse 3 was really essential to provide long-range, healthy fruit. And of all the, the fruit trees and of all the plants in the ancient Near East, the vine was said to require the most attention. The pruning is not a crude kind of hacking. It's a far more attentive, detailed, and gentle approach. The vine dresser carefully holds the branches in his hands and cuts away with sharp tools and small precise movements what needs to be removed for the sake of the branch, for the sake of the fruit, and for the sake of the whole plant. And here, 
Jesus assures his disciples that they are already clean because they have received Jesus's words. They are already abiding. There's nothing more that they need to do to try to get to that place. They are already present with Jesus. They simply need to remain. God's presence with them is as a gentle, attentive vine dresser. And God's work on them is gentle, attentive, cleansing, and purifying. It really is for their thriving. In this metaphor, Jesus' presence is as a thriving, stable vine. The work and words of Jesus are a vital source of life and of health. A branch can't survive unless it's connected to the vine. And the branch itself pulls the water, the nutrients, and all it needs to thrive from this source, from the vine. A healthy branch is entirely dependent on that vine. And the fruit that the branch bears comes directly as a result of the water and the nutrients flowing from the vine. Now, the amazing thing in verses four and five and seven is really the depth of the union that is described. We in Jesus and Jesus in us. When Jesus says, abide in me, he immediately follows this with, I in you. He then adds in verse nine, as the father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. This relationship that's described is not a formula. It's not as much of an if-then or causal statement. What Jesus is saying here is far too circular for that. What Jesus describes instead is a pattern for developing a deepening relationship. Abide in me, even as I abide in you. My love is here with you. Dwell in that love. Now, when the word abide or remain is used in connection to God throughout scripture, it often denotes God's permanence in contrast to our impermanence. In John's gospel, we are told um, just in, in the first chapter that the spirit came and remained or abided on Jesus. It was a permanent state. And a little later in John, we're reminded of the prophecy that the coming Christ would remain forever. Also in John's gospel, this word abide carries with it an enduring personal communion. The vine holds on to that branch, even as the branch abides in the vine. Jesus's presence with us is stable and it stabilizes us. And his hold on us is enduring and fosters our thriving through his word and his presence and his love. In this vineyard metaphor, God's presence is like a gentle, attentive vine dresser. In this metaphor, Jesus's presence is like a thriving, stable vine. And in this metaphor, what Jesus asks of us is gentle and simple. The command here is actually not to bear fruit. I tend to focus on productivity in my life and in my work, and I desperately need this reminder, especially when productivity um, seems pretty rough right now. We're not told to do the hard work of producing for the vine dresser. The vine's longing request is for our presence. Our job is to abide, focusing less on the product of good or abundant fruit and more on the relationship, focusing simply on abiding, on keeping presence in the love that Jesus gives on responding to the longing of Jesus, that we abide in him and abide in his love. 
bearing fruit and keeping Jesus' commandments shows simply that we are abiding in Jesus, abiding in love, remaining with him as our home. And even more incredible, we are not alone in our abiding. This abiding is far from a solitary project. We are among many, many branches abiding in the vine. Abiding in Jesus carries with it this built-in community of all the branches who also abide in Jesus, who also abide in his love. And in our abiding, we are incorporated into a great community of the people of God who have been God's community for generations. In this metaphor, God's presence is a gentle, attentive vine dresser. Jesus's presence is a thriving, stable vine. And what Jesus asks of us is gentle and it's simple. And Jesus is longing for us to abide in him and abide in his love is so that we can bear fruit. Yes, but also so that in verse 11, my joy, says Jesus, may be in you and that your joy may be full. To continue stating the obvious, this season of COVID hasn't been easy. It's impacted family life, work life, daily things in unprecedented ways. It's even hard to go to the grocery store. Masks are kind of hot and uncomfortable. The lines to get in are long and being wary of staying six feet away from other customers and their carts while following directional arrows on the ground. What makes what used to be the most habitual of tasks really kind of taxing. And even more profound, we miss being physically with the people that we love and that we care for. In this time of social distancing where we can't be present with each other and with those we love, I wonder if we are invited to taste the longing of Jesus for presence with us, to be at home with us, as the root of that word means, in ways that we may not have noticed before. I wonder if we are invited to remember that Jesus's invitation to abide actually isn't taxing or burdensome, but it doesn't require us to worry too much about producing abundant fruit because that will indeed come. Instead, as we hear Jesus's plea, abide in me, abide in my love, we hear his longing for us to simply remain present with him, to remain home with him. And if in this crazy time we can practice abiding in response to Jesus' longing for our presence, maybe that's the stabilizing, joy-filled thing we most need in this present crisis. Maybe this responding to Jesus' longing to abide with us is exactly what will cultivate in us the kind of gentle and loving others-oriented missional wisdom and presence that is so needed in our culture right now. In this next quiet moment or so, let's together, even while distant, consider Jesus's longing for presence with us and respond to his invitation to abide simply by sitting together at home with him.